Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 21 of Mad Max, which begins with Toe Cutter's gang lining up their motorcycles, and it ends with Johnny the Boy smoothing out Toe Cutter's hair. Happy Monday morning. Happy Monday. Yep. So we start right off where we left last Friday with the Toe Cutter gang getting into their parking position, pulling their bikes into line. So I jumped online, looked up the type of motorcycles that the gang uses. They use a variety. Um, it includes the Kawasaki KZ-1000, which I'm pretty sure is the type of bike that Kawasaki actually gave them to use in the movie. They got t- 10 of them. They saved one and used the other nine. They used... Uh, one is for Goose. One is for Goose, the other eight. For. for the gang. They also have Z900s. Um, Johnny, the boy, rides a Z900. As well as, in a later minute, there's a biker who does a bit of a burnout and a wheelie in mm. town. He rides a Z900 as well. There's also an SOHC Honda CB750 and CB900. That's kind of the overall variety of the motorcycles that we see in this gang. And of course, they all have aftermarket parts. They all have the fairings and whatnot to give them that more unique profile that yes. we see riding around. Yes. The production crew actually had a pair of guys, and I, I don't know their names off the top of my head, something we could easily look up, of set designer slash mechanics who took those 10 bikes that they were given from Kawasaki and made them look individual. Me, my level of bike knowledge, which is like low, medium, I'm not a complete novice, but I really don't know that much. I can't tell that they're all diff- that they're all the same bike. Uh, I think so. I think they did a really good job of you know painting them different colors and making them look like completely different bikes and putting different fronts and fairings and accessories and wear and tear on them. They did good. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a huge fan of this style of motorcycle. I prefer my seat a little lower. I prefer my handlebars a little bit higher up. You know, big windshield on the front. All of these guys riding around without windshields on. Yeah, they've got full face helmets, which is always a good thing. I think the if you look at where most motorcycle riders receive damage when they crash, most of it's in the face area. And so having a full face helmet definitely, you know, protects the, the most vulnerable parts. It's interesting that they are a very rough motorcycle gang, but they still wear their full face helmets. Yeah. Well, you think, on one hand, it's an intimidation thing. If Yes, absolutely. If people can't see your face, then you have advantage over them. Yes. Plus, you don't want to be the guy in the motorcycle gang who gets into one crash and turns into a vegetable. So, yeah, there's a safety first element there, and there's also an intimidation element there, but it works together. Yes. <laughs> so, we mentioned... Uh, I don't remember if it was Thursday or Friday, but we were curious about the the exact number 
of gang members. Yes. And, and we knew that this minute was going to be the one where we would actually be able to count. Yeah. I think I originally said somewhere around like two dozen. Yeah. Our guess was like between two dozen for you and 30 for me. Yeah. I counted it up as they're pulling into line. We get a couple of good wide shots of them and there are 18. Oh. <laughs> okay. Then I give them credit for making 18 bikes feel like 30. Yeah. So of those 18 motorcycles, eight of them are named characters. We've, of course, got Toe Cutter, Johnny the Boy, Bubba Zanetti, Diabondo, Mudguts, Kundalini, Clunk, and Starbuck. And then the rest of the members of the gang are extras from an actual motorcycle game called the Vigilantes. They're kind of native to that Melbourne area. Yeah. So they kind of round out the group and make it feel a bit more fleshed out. They're also used kind of like stunt guys. They perform more of the motorcycle intensive things, as I mentioned before, like the burnout and the wheelie. like the burnout and the the donut. And I also noticed in, I think, a couple minutes coming up, and actually this minute too, their background work is just magic. It's really fabulous. Mm -hmm. I'm actually looking forward to minutes beyond what I've prepared to see what they do in the background. Because if you pay attention, they do some great stuff. Yeah. So they pull in, they line up, and before they start turning off their motorcycles, Toe Cutter does this thing where he kind of waves in the air. Mm -hmm. And it's a signal for them to all just start revving their engine all together. Yeah. And I like that because not only do you get the revving of the engines, but you also get a bit of musical score on top of that. Yes. So it's not only like he's conducting the motorcycle gang, he's also kind of like he's conducting the orchestra. Conducting the orchestra. I actually kind of felt opposite. You did. Really? I wish that they hadn't added the musical soundtrack with that and just done the revving mm-hmm. and made the revving like more powerful. But I, I do appreciate what you said about um, he's conducting the orchestra as well as conducting the the uh, the gang. Yeah, it kind of makes so you that, feel like... So that does make a lot of sense. It kind of makes you feel like the Toe Cutter as a powerful character... He's able to... Has so much power that he's controlling the soundtrack. Yeah, reach outside of the movie and influence things mm, like that. I like that. Maybe maybe if the balance was a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if the mix was more on the side of the revving? Yes. Because I felt like the... Because it was very horn heavy. Felt like it drowned out the revving. That's, and I would have liked to hear the revving. So That's a good point. Maybe it would have sat with me a little bit better just if the balance was a little bit more towards the revving. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that you wish that there was more revving because as we learned in that behind-the-scenes documentary... Um, by the way, this behind-the-scenes documentary is something you can just run out and watch. It's called The Madness of Max, and it's this... It's... And it's included in the complete du- DVD deluxe? Blu-ray. Was it the deluxe edition? I don't remember I don't what remember it was called. I remember like what it was it's called. It's like an eight-disc set yeah. that we ordered off of Amazon. And the documentary itself, I think, might actually technically be longer than the movie. Oh, it was two and a half hours. We had yeah. to watch it in two sittings. Yeah. So you could watch Mad Max all the way through. And then watch like Mad Max again. I don't think all the way quite through to the end. Not quite, but... But most of the way through, in the time it would take you to just watch this behind-the-scenes documentary. It was really great. And they had most of the actors. And, you know, I don't know when the documentary was made. Before Mel Gibson went a little weird. Because he was very very normal um, in his interview. Yeah. 
But it was interesting about the documentary real quick, and then we'll get back to the minute. Everybody that they talked to still had their very thick Australian accents. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they're Australian actors, and most of them have stayed in Australia doing Australia productions. Mm-hmm. Mel Gibson, there's no trace no. left <laughs> of his Australian accent. And I'm sure he could put it on if he wanted to. But wouldn't that be the time that you would want to? I guess. When you're doing an interview about Mad Max, isn't wouldn't you want your accent back for that? Anyways, it was really good. And they had they had everybody, George Miller, and that was actually when I learned that Byron Ken- Kennedy passed away in nineteen eighty three or four. I think it's nineteen eighty three. Nineteen eighty three after they made Fury no, after they made Road Warrior, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and I had no idea. I did not know that. So they had some old like phone interviews with him that they played. Which yeah, was old really recordings. Nice. Old recordings talking about the production and some great old photographs. Mm. They had old like production photographs of everybody doing all sorts of stuff. It was really great. Yeah. But it was in that documentary that we learned that the mechanics on the film custom-tuned each individual motorcycle to sound ever so slightly different. Yes. They altered the exhaust and the internal workings just so that each character not only had their own individual wardrobe, their own individual bike, but also their own individual sound. Yes, to the point where if you're good with sound, you can tell who who you're focusing on by the by the sound of their bike. Exactly. One thing I really appreciated as they were interviewing the actors that were part of the Acolytes gang that they would ride to set every morning mm-hmm. on their motorcycles. And the place where they were staying, um, I think they rented a house or something like that. And every morning they would go out and get on their motorcycles and just behave like a gang. They would get on there, they would rev up and all ride out as a big group. And I just imagine how awful that must have been for their neighbors yeah i mean i mean i don't have a tiny motorcycle i I ride a a vulcan 1500 it's a big bike with some loud pipes on it and i know i feel guilty sometimes when i get up to go to work in the morning during the summer and it's like you know 7 a.m 6 45 in the morning and i'm out there revving up my (laughs) engine to get it started up yeah I, i feel a little guilty but i imagine with the eight named characters Meeting up with the 10 extras and just having all 18 of them thundering down the road every morning. Oh, it's probably a good thing that they only had, you know, six weeks or so as a shooting schedule. Yes. I'm not sure their neighbors would have put up with it for much longer than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like we said, they get in line, they all rev their engines until Toe Cutter tells, signals them to stop. And then we get a quick shot of the couple from the Chevy. Yeah, and they're I... looking on from behind a building. And I just noticed this mm-hmm. as we were rewatching the minute before we started recording. Um, they seem amused by this. Yes, I wrote that in my notes. Yeah, They seem entertained yeah. by the display. The guy kind of cracks a smile and he looks back and it's, it's like they the don't... That's the last time he's going to smile for a while. They don't know yet just how fearsome this gang can be. Mm-hmm. And it's several minutes before we actually... Well, it's not several minutes, it's... We're going to talk about it this Friday, about okay. them and realizing, and... realizing who these people are and then wanting to try to get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. Now, a week from now, that's yeah. when, uh, well, I think it's next Tuesday. Okay. Not tomorrow, but next Tuesday, I think, is when we really get to see the full fury rain down <laughs> Thank upon Thank goodness them. that wasn't the Valentine's Day episode. Oh my gosh, yeah. That would be kind of awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we go from the couple from the Chevy... 
and then we go back to a close-up as Toe Cutter takes off his helmet. We get the grand reveal of our main antagonist of the movie. It just occurred to me that this grand reveal that we get of Toe Cutter is what I wanted from the reveal of Max. Mm -hmm. They drew Max out so long and gave us such little bits and pieces. So you get his mouth and you get his glasses and you can barely see his eyes through the glasses. What I wanted was what Toe Cutter got. He just popped off his helmet. We had barely seen him. All we'd seen of him was him doing the revving signals. Mm -hmm. And then he popped off his helmet. And it was the Toe Cutter in all of his glory. The hair. He rolled into town, showed off his command Mm -hmm. of his gang. And then I love it because he pops off the helmet and he's got all of this hair. that He just kind of flicks back. How does he get that all in the helmet? And then he does like this slow look. Across the town, just kind of scoping things out. Mm -hmm. Just seeing who's there. Yeah. Surveying. What's, yeah, what's his next step going to be? Mm -hmm. And this is one of the parts that I really enjoyed. So our eyes are are always going to automatically go to Toe Cutter. He's such a presence. Right. But if you if you purposely don't look at Toe Cutter and you look at the people around him, this this moment when they're starting to get off the bikes and stuff is so great. I mean, there's people laying on the floor. A couple of guys start dancing. Yeah. There's a lot of just very normal stretching. Um, you really get the sense that they've been on the road for a while. Yeah. Because I have, I can put myself in that position. After riding for a long time, you get off the bike and like, yeah, all you want to do is like lay down flat and stretch and and that and it feels so good and so mm-hmm. i felt that was very realistic so before we get more into that um i wanted to talk a bit more about hugh keys burn who yeah. plays the toe cutter he is quite an actor yeah he's got a presence which his personal history he started in the royal shakespeare company mm-hmm. like he is a classically trained accomplished actor Before ever setting foot on television or movies. Yeah. And so the fact that they brought him in to play this role is pretty intense. I would hazard a guess that he's the most expensive actor in the movie. Without actually having the numbers in front of us, I'd say that's... Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Mel Gibson's in it, but this was one of his first acting roles. Mm -hmm. So he didn't cost anything. Yeah. So I jumped on IMDb, pulled up his top four because I like to do that. (laughs) Now, you always get a kick out of actors where their top credit is not Mad Max, like we're watching. Well, Hughes Keys Burn, he kind of fits into that category that you like to see. Because the other Mad Max movie is his number one. His number one role, most recognizable, Fury Road, where he played in Morton Joe. Number two is Mad Max, where he played Toe Cutter. And there was a lot, it was a big deal. Before Fury Road came out, the fact that he came back as Immortan Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, we're definitely going to talk more about him coming back as Immortan Joe when we get to Fury Road. Yeah. Way yeah. down the road. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get through a couple other movies before we get to that point. Uh, number three on his list is Moby Dick from 1998. He played Mr. Stubb. Now, um, I don't know Moby Dick, the story of Moby Dick well enough. Is Mr. Stubb like the second So, Moby Dick from 1998, it's a traditional treatment of the Herman Melville book. I think it was made by, like, Hallmark or something like that. Um, It was, 
I want to say like a mini series or something like that. It might have been just a made for TV. It's movie. not the Patrick Stewart one, is it? It is the Patrick it Stewart is. one. So you get Patrick Stewart and Hugh's Keys. Hugh Keys Burn. Hugh Keys Burn. Sorry, um, together in one movie. Yeah, that sounds now, spectacular. Unfortunately, I looked down at the reviews for Moby Dick, and yeah. the number one review that they actually put up there it says. As bad as it sounds, not as good as the book, 3 out of 10 stars. And I'm like, oh, that's a shame. Uh, yeah, so it's got some big funny. names on it. So speaking of big names, so Captain Ahab, as you mentioned, played by Patrick Stewart. The first mate, Mr. Starbuck, is pay- played by Ted Levine. And Hugh Keysburn plays the aforementioned Mr. Stubb. Oh. I bring all this up because um, there's a scene that I found on YouTube, a clip of the movie that feature Hugh Keysburn. Um so basically, the scene is set up where Mr. Starbuck is talking to Stubb about how Ahab is going crazy. And it just so happens that this scene, Ted Levine played Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. And so you have Buffalo Bill trying to get the toe cutter to mutiny against Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> okay, I gotta pause you. You keep moving your S on the Hugh, Hugh Keys burn. But I wanted to give you an opportunity to correct it so that people don't complain about it. Yeah, people are going to complain no matter what we do. Okay, so what is it correct? Hugh Keys Burn. Okay, so Keys is the where the S goes. Right. Everything else is singular. Okay. Right. All right, continue. So, interestingly enough, for Moby Dick, they also got Henry Thomas to play Ishmael. And Henry Thomas is the guy who played Elliot in E.T. Oh, well grown up. Yeah. <laughs> so, quite the production with quite the variety in its casting. Um Number four on his IMDb top four is a 2011 film called Sleeping Beauty, and he just played Man 3. Now, you gave me a look when I said Sleeping Beauty, and I know the thought going through your head was, wait, did they make a live-action Sleeping Beauty Yeah, I'm just trying to remember a production of Sleeping Beauty. Well, it's not a traditional treatment of the Disney fairy tale. Oh, is it like a modernization or something? Oh, it's a film about a young woman working in... I guess it's kind of it can be described as a bordello. It's a it's it's a house where young attractive women are giving sleeping pills and then they kind of just sleep and then guys can come and like oh. do stuff to them. Oh. Yeah, it's weird. Uh so my knowledge of the film basically comes from an episode of a web show called Browse Held High. It's made by a guy named Cal Calgren. So I only have a cursory idea of what's going on in the movie, but um the overall review is that it's well shot and well directed, but very dull. So it's not one that we're gonna run out and watch. Yeah. Um it's I would about sleeping people, so Yeah, I would suggest just watching the episode of Browse Held High if you want to get a sense of what it's like. But as the role of man number three, Hugh Keysburn basically shows up for one scene, he takes a comatose Emily Browning and kind of just flops her around. Like, at one point, he kind of picks her up and tries to put her on a bed. She kind of falls off, and it's kind of funny looking, um, if it weren't so weird. Uh, one thing about Hugh Key's burn in this movie, though, is that he's got, like, an epic ponytail. Like, just epic ponytail. Uh, I mean, you do have to see him shirtless, and he's not a young guy in 2011, so that's kind of awkward. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, in this reveal scene that we see Toe Cutter, we also get our first view of... Johnny the Boy, Mudguts, and Kundalini kind of going right to left behind him. Mm -hmm. And the thing I like about this minute in particular is there are a 
bunch of inconsistencies directly related to Kundalini. Okay. <laughs> like, so in this reveal shot, he's standing up on his motorcycle. You know, he's he's already started to dismount, so to speak. And we go from this wide shot of the four of them, and then we kind of zoom in on Kundalini, and it kind of looks like he's still sitting. He's kind of rocking back a little bit. Um, and so there's already one inconsistency where he was standing in the first shot, and he's sitting in the second shot. Um, the character of Kundalini is played by Paul Johnstone, and he has several acting credits. Most of them are actually just voiceover credits. So he's kind of credited as actor or voice or something like that. His best known role is, of course, Mad Max. The other ones, I I didn't really deem it necessary to mention them because, you know, they weren't actually named roles. Yeah. Or anything like that. The next shot we get after Kundalini is, of course, a close-up on Mudguts, although we don't actually get to see his face because he's wearing, like, a blue plastic face shield. Okay, that's the one that looks like a monkey? Yeah, he's got the monkey ears on the side of his helmet. Yeah. So, he's played by David Brax, and David Brax has a lot more acting credits to his name as opposed to uh, Paul Johnstone there. He actually has, like, a top four that's made of recognizable things. So, obviously... Number one, Mad Max. It's like most of the other people in this movie. Um, number two, he was in the Crocodile Dundee movie. Oh, he, I'm a little surprised we haven't come across that movie before. I know, because Crocodile Dundee was 1986. Like, super soon, relatively speaking, after Mad Max was made. Um, he played a character named Bert, and then um, in parentheses after Bert, it says Rue Shooter. There's a scene where Crocodile Dundee, like fights off some poachers or something like that that are trying to kill a kangaroo. And so I think he might have been one of those poachers. I didn't take the time to sit down and watch Crocodile Dundee just yet. So Yeah, I think that's fine. Uh, his number three movie is from 1980 called The Chain Reaction. He played Spray Painter. So still up to no good. And then his number four movie in 1976 um, was called Mad Dog Morgan, where he played McLean. Uh, so... Brox was in one episode of Homicide in 1974, (laughs) um, so we can add him to that growing list of people. Uh, But he was also in 1974's Stone with Hugh Keysburn, Roger Ward, Vince Gill, and a bunch of other people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Stone is definitely one that we might just have to check out because it is another motorcycle gang movie set in Australia with a bunch of overlap people. All right. Yeah. Sounds pretty good to me. Um, So interestingly enough, like George Novak, who played Scuttle, David Brax is listed twice in the credits. First under his character's name and then second as part of the stunt team. In fact, during the behind the scenes documentary, when they were talking about Grant Page's motorcycle accident, David Brax was one of the primary people they were talking to. And Brax gave a couple of anecdotes about Page calling him from the hospital, giving him instructions about stunts that they were going to do that day. So he was definitely one of the more notable contributors to the stunt work in that movie. Recently, it looks like he's retired from acting. He started in 1974, and IMDb doesn't list him in anything since 1993. So we get a couple more shots of people parking motorcycles. We get a foot putting down a kickstand. And then we get a shot of a gang member undoing the chin strap on his helmet. That shot is Kundalini. This is the third time we've seen him in this minute. Oh. (laughs) And this is probably the most egregious of the inconsistencies. Yeah, because the other one, like, I can imagine maybe he was standing up and then sat back down. But but he didn't put his helmet back on so that he could take it off again. Yeah. Yeah. It's 
painfully obvious when you look at it closely because the angle that they're shooting at is the exact same angle as the last time we got that close up on Kundalini. The buildings are the same arrangement. The the mirrors the same. Everything is the same except he's got his helmet back on. So they really could have just switched places for these two quick scenes and been fine. Yeah, I think what they were trying to do here is make it seem like there was someone else underneath that helmet. But <laughs> it's hard to avoid that. No, seeing that it's the same guy, especially, you know, now that I've gone through it so many times. Yeah. And it's... And it's a two-second shot. I mean, they take plenty of time on it. So, like you said before, we get another wide shot of all of the gang members starting to dismount. And I like, before they cut even wider, we get to see that little, um, that high step that Toe Cutter does. Because I've done that in the past. Yes. <laughs> I've done that exact move. Yes. Of, of stretching out my legs because I've been sitting so long. I did it a lot when I was riding a smaller motorcycle back when I was on the Rebel. Yeah. Because he had my, I had my legs duck, tucked up underneath me. And oh, I, I, I can't stand riding like that specifically. I like my legs out in front because that's why, why I ride the cruisers. But in the wider shot, we can actually see those guys that are dancing. That's Kundalini and Mudguts. I think out of, okay. the, out of the main gang members, they definitely have the most um, personality. Yes. The most manic energy of... And we see that members. throughout the movie. Oh, absolutely. We're going to we're going to see that. They give us quite a bit of entertainment. Yeah. This Thursday, this Friday, we get to have another amusing little scene with them. But while they're off dancing, you know, we've got Toe Cutter and Johnny and Bubba Zanetti and Starbuck and they're just kind of walking and they're being very intimidating looking. Mhm. But I, those other two, <clears throat> they might be my favorite gang members just because they have so much personality. Yeah. I found it interesting, at the very end of this minute, we see Johnny the boy, like, brushing back Toe Cutter's hair, like he's grooming him. Yeah. And I wondered, is that his job? Is that his responsibility? I think so. I know that there is, once you start talking about gangs, there is very much a structure. There is first in command, second in command, and so forth. And people have very specific things, very specific ways that they belong in the group and functions within the group. Yeah. It's very organized. Even it's a though, hierarchy. Yes. So, so that seems like his position is that he is almost like the uh, executive assistant to Toe Cutter. Like a squire? Yes. That yeah. Part, more like a squire than an assistant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. And that's, and we get like half of that scene. Mm. Of uh, Johnny the boy grooming toe cutter, yeah, and that's we get it for a, the minute. We get a few good hair swipes before we, we get cut off. So, if you're tired from a long motorcycle journey and you've got a computer nearby, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 21. We'll see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and men. Take me to the end of the dream.